And so for those reasons, I believe the crankbait is the most versatile and fruitful lure you could possibly have. Well, that concludes this week's discussions. I uh, want to thank everybody for coming out today. And I also want to thank our newest member, Andrew, for showing up and joining us today. Thank you. Okay, so does anybody have any announcements or any upcoming events or dates that we need to know about? Oh, oh, yeah, we got the bait sale coming up on the 23rd, and we use everybody's help for that. Also, our uh, group potluck is coming up on the 30th, and it's going to be in the main hall. And I will be bringing my mama's famous chili. That's right, that's right. 30th main hall potluck supper. Also, there's a great fly fishing seminar over in Monroe this weekend. Um, I'm going to be carpooling, so if anybody wants to go, they just let me know. Tickets are $5, and the speaker is supposed to be amazing. That's fantastic. If anybody wants to go with Rick, be sure and get with him after the, the meeting, all right? Anything else you can think of? Yeah, uh, what's our next fishing trip? And I have a new reel, and I'm ready to try it out. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, going fishing. Okay. What about this Saturday? Oh, it's, it's supposed to be, like, really cold that day. Next Saturday? That's the day of the bake sale, and we can't miss that. Two weeks, maybe. Like, on a Thursday, I might take off. I have classes, like, all day. How about this summer? Should I fish, like, swim south for the summer? I gotta get my dog spayed. Also, I'm allergic to water. Helping my neighbor change all of his light bulbs. Got yeah, high pollen count that. My mom had a really bad reaction one time, and I think it runs in the family. It's my dog's birthday. He's turning four. I just can't handle the sun. Do you even have your license? Do you have your permit? Could you tell me what's the difference? I got this blue card in the mail, and I'm not sure. I think it was a boating license, but I don't have a boat, so I don't know why they sent it to me. Has anyone here gone fishing ever? Who? So nobody has actually ever gone fishing in the fishing group here. Thanks, guys. It's nice meeting y'all. Good luck. Oh, hey. We still need to elect Apollo chairman. Can you imagine a fishing club that never goes fishing? It would be ridiculous spending all that time talking and discussing and, and thinking about and planning how to fish without ever going out and casting into the water. And yet, if we are honest, sometimes that's what we are like as Christians. We talk about fishing for people, about sharing the gospel. We discuss what passages of, Bi- of, the, of the Bible, how, what they teach us about that. They may even criticize other people for the way they do that, or the, the insensitive way that they might tell others about Jesus. Do we actually go out and share the gospel with those who are lost, with those who are heading to a lost, for a lost eternity? The Apostle Paul wasn't like that. He was committed to sharing the message of the gospel, the message of the cross with his generation. And he was committed to encouraging the church of his day to do the same. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 5, 
Paul shows us how he did this and how we can also do this in our lives. So we're going to read that passage just now. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 down to verse 5. And I came to you, brothers. I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in the weakness and fear, and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Last week, we saw how Paul encouraged the Christians in Corinth to be uh, confident in the message of the gospel. Yes, the Jews stumbled over the apparent weakness of the cross. And the Greeks, they struggled over the apparent foolishness of it. But as believers in Jesus, we can confidently and unitedly hold on to the truth of the cross. Because the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But that doesn't mean that we're supposed to kind of arrogantly ridicule those eh, for their foolishness or callously allow them to continue in their unbelief and on the road to destruction. No, we have a mission to go to this world. Paul said here in verse 1 of our reading, I came to you, brothers. This was Paul's first step in in him coming uh, coming to Corinth with the gospel. Paul knew that they needed to hear hear about Jesus. He knew that they were lost without hope and without God in this world. And so Paul didn't wait for them to come to him. Instead, he went to them. He left his comfort zone. He stepped out of what was familiar and what was comfortable and he went to Corinth. And in doing this, he was following the example of Jesus. Because that's the truth of the incarnation, that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know, Jesus could have written about his love up in uh, in the sky. Or he could have sent a whole horde of angels to share this message that he loved the world. But he didn't. Instead, Jesus himself left heaven. And he came and shared his life with us. He came to be our Emmanuel, our God with us. And that's our calling too. Jesus commissioned all of his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. Discipling is not an optional extra for some Christians. It's not just for kind of super committed believers or with people with special callings. We are all called to be involved in this mission of bringing people to Jesus and encouraging them in their relationship with Jesus. 
And a key part of that mission is that we go out into this world. We're not just called to wait around until the world comes to us. One of the the most shocking things about the Titanic disaster of 1912 was that although 20 lifeboats and rafts were launched before that boat sank, many of them were only partly filled. Most of the passengers ended up struggling in the icy seas while those lifeboats, they waited a safe distance away. Only lifeboat number 14 came back. And alone it chased the the cries in the darkness. Alone it saw and saved a few. But no other of the lifeboats joined in. Even though many were half filled. Each feared a crush of unknown swimmers who would cling to their raft or their boat and swamp it. I wonder if we could be a church like that. While people are dying all around us, are we tempted to stay dry and safe and make sure nobody rocks our boat? Or are we willing to go to the lost, to go to the perishing, wherever God leads us? Maybe that's to our spouses, or our kids, or our wider family, or our colleagues at school, or at college, or at work, or our friends, or our neighbours, or our town, or even to the ends of the earth. Are we willing to go? Now, of course, it's not easy to do this. It's not easy to go to share the gospel. But Paul didn't find his mission easy either. Do you see what he says in verse 3? I came to you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. Now, some people, they think that this means, this word trembling, it means that, just shows how seriously Paul took his this mission. He was trembling because he was just so anxious to fulfill his calling, so desperate to obey his Lord. But I don't think that's what's going on here. I think Paul's actually talking about being afraid. That's because one night when he was in Corinth, the Lord appeared to him in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one is going to harm you, because I have many people in this city. This was a word of encouragement to Paul, because Paul needed it. He was struggling with fear. He did feel weak and vulnerable. And he was battling with the temptation to keep quiet. To stop sharing the gospel in that city. And folks, it's not surprising. Because there was really strong opposition from the Jewish community to Paul. They were actually abusive towards him and took him to court to try and stop him. And as we mentioned a few weeks ago, Corinth was not an easy place in which to be a Christian. 
It was full of idolatry and immorality. The pressure on Paul must have been enormous. And Paul had already suffered intensely because of his mission. He told the church in in Corinth in his second letter, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. So Paul wasn't a coward. He wasn't easily put off from his calling. But even he struggled with it. Even he needed to be encouraged that the Lord was with him and would give him the help that he needed. And so as we think about our mission in this world, our mission to go and make disciples, it's okay that sometimes we feel overwhelmed by it. It's okay that sometimes we feel scared by it. It's okay that we might sometimes feel as if we can't do this, that we're not able for this. But we can be encouraged that we have the same promise given to us as the Lord gave to Paul when he was in Corinth. Because when Jesus gave us this mission, He also gave us this incredible encouragement. And surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. Yes, we are called to go out into this world, but we're not going out in our own, because the Lord is going with us. So our mission is to go out into the world. But we also have a message to share. Paul didn't just come to Corinth, he also preached in that city. Yes, it was crucial for Paul that he went there and he lived out his faith in front of the people. That's because Paul preached through his life. He said later in this this letter, in chapter 11, verse 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So how we live is a crucial part of our witness for God. But Paul also had to open his mouth and tell people the truth about God. He said in verse 1 of our reading that I proclaim to you the testimony about God. And we too are called to proclaim the gospel. This was a a key characteristic of the early church in Jerusalem. When persecution broke out in that city in Jerusalem, the church was scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. But Acts 8 and verse 4 states that those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. And that's our calling too. We are called to preach the word of God. We need to speak the truth of the gospel. Now, of course, we are supposed to do this in a variety of ways and in a variety of settings. For some of us, sometimes we do this in public, in front of groups of people. But other times we're called to do this in private, maybe just one to one. And that's what Paul did here too. 
He says in verse 4 that my message and my preaching. Message and preaching. Now some people think that 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 means that his message, that's his conversation in private. And his preaching, that's his proclamation in public. And that was always Paul's strategy, both to preach in, in private and in public. Paul did not just speak to crowds. He also went and spoke to individuals and families. He told the elders of in Ephesus, I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. But the key thing here is that wherever Paul went, wherever the setting, however many people he was speaking to, Paul's message was the same. Look at verse 2, please. I resolved to you, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul was a very skilled and gifted teacher. And so he tailored his approach to fit his audience. So when he was meeting with Jewish people in the synagogues, he debated about the scriptures. He argued from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. But when he was with a Greek audience, for example, in front of the Areopagus in Athens, he started with speaking about how God created the world. And he spoke about their search for God, even within their pagan religion. And then with individuals, he often just shared his testimony, how God had worked in his own life. So his approach was different depending on his audience. But wherever Paul went, he did not alter his message. He didn't try and make it more acceptable or more attractive. <coughs> Excuse me. His message was always centered on the crucified Savior. He told people about who Jesus really is and what he accomplished. How the Son of God came to live a perfect life. How he revealed God's truth. How he died a sacrificial death and rose victoriously on the third day to offer salvation to all who put his faith, their, their faith in him. And we need to follow their, that same example. As we get opportunities to speak to people about our faith, yes, we need to be sensitive, we need to be relevant, we need to be respectful, but we mustn't change our message. People may reject this message, as we saw, saw last week, but we mustn't alter it. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 verse 8, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Paul was absolutely committed to preaching that message. Nobody should change it. Nobody should add to it. Nobody should take away from it. Why? Well, because if we don't preach Christ crucified, then we're not preaching the gospel. We're not preaching the good news. 
that's because there's only one way of salvation. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so, folks, we need to keep our focus on the cross of Jesus. It's the only way that we can come to God. And it's the only hope for a lost and dying world. So Paul was committed to fulfilling his mission of sharing this wonderful message of the cross. But how did Paul do this? What method did he use? Well, Paul said in verse 1, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. The travelling philosophers and teachers in that culture, they depended on wisdom and eloquence to gain followers. And there was loads of those kind of guys coming to Corinth, this massive city. But Paul didn't want to use those techniques. He knew that Christian ministry was not for professionals. He knew that how effective we are for Christ is not about how polished or eloquent we are. There's a guy called Fred Rogers. When he was in Bible college, in the middle of a preaching course, he went on a holiday, on holiday with some friends. And on the Sunday he went to church, a small church where a guy in his 80s was preaching. But during the sermon, Fred, he was just sitting there kind of mentally ticking off all the errors that he saw in this guy's preaching compared to what he had been learning in his, in his Bible, uh, uh, Bible college course. And when, when he, this guy finished, Fred turned to one of his friends, intending to criticize the sermon. But he stopped himself when he saw tears running down her face. She whispered, he said exactly what I needed to hear. And Fred says that that was a decisive moment for him. He said, I was judging, but she was needing. And the Holy Spirit responded to need, not judgment. Sharing Christ is not about professionalism. But it's also not about persuasion. Paul's message was not with wise and persuasive words, he says in verse 4. Sharing Christ is not about winning arguments or manipulating feelings. Rather, it's about heart transformation. And none of us can make that happen. It's one of the, the striking things when you have a look at Jesus' ministry. He didn't coerce people to follow him. He didn't try and manipulate them with his miracles. Nor did he try and hide the cost of following him to get people to sign up. Maybe you remember that when a sincere young man came to him and asked him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus told him to sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus put his finger on the problem of this, this guy's life. He was a kind of respectable guy and his life 
seemed to be going well, but he was actually caught up in materialism. And so Jesus called him to repent and believe. But this young man went away sad. He didn't want to repent and put his faith in Jesus. The cost was too great. So he left. And Jesus let him go. He didn't try and persuade him. He didn't try and manipulate him. He didn't try and change the conditions of of discipleship. He told him the truth and let him decide. Paul did not depend on professionalism nor on persuasion. But instead, he depended on power with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, as he says in verse 4. That word demonstration actually means a legal proof presented in court. It's a proof that would be presented in a legal case to to win win the, the case. It was the work of the Holy Spirit that was the proof that Paul's message was from God. There was proof in things like healings and miracles, although Paul would be be careful not to put too much weight on that, remembering what we were thinking about last week, about how the, the Jews were the ones who were demanding miraculous signs. But most of all, there was the proof of changed lives. When Paul preached the gospel, sinners were transformed by the power of God into the children of God. And that was the evidence that showed that what Paul was preaching was from God. And that's how God's kingdom advances. Not by might, not by power, said Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Only through the power of the Holy Spirit will people be convicted of their sin. Only by the Spirit can they understand and accept God's truth. For people to come to the Lord, they need to see Jesus in us. They need to hear the message. But most of all, they need a revelation from the Holy Spirit. And so sharing the the truth of the gospel is our responsibility. But the impact of that gospel belongs to God. Or as Rico Tice says, we preach Christ, but it is God who opens blind eyes. Finally, why did Paul preach that way? Why did he not use professionalism or persuasion? Why do you not try with eloquence or or men's wisdom? Well, he says in verse 5, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, on God's power. This is why Paul did not depend on human ingenuity or ability or education, even although Paul was a well-educated guy in the Hebrew Scriptures and in Greek literature. He didn't do this though. He didn't depend on those things because he knew that if he depended on these things then their faith would depend on him and the strength of his argument or the emotional connection with 
with that with his speaking, with his message. And that was a shaky foundation. Because if somebody else came along with a different message that was maybe more intelligent or more eloquent or more impressive, then these Christians could be persuaded by them, even although they were preaching a false gospel. As someone had says, has said, what depends on a clever argument is at the mercy of a cleverer argument. But because these people had trusted in Jesus as a result of God working in their lives through the Holy Spirit, through the simple preaching of the gospel, then nothing would change their minds. Nothing could challenge their conviction. If they had really experienced the power of the Holy Spirit impact their hearts and transform their lives, then why would they want to turn back to the foolishness of men's wisdom? And this is why we need to be committed to our mission of sharing the message of the cross simply and honestly. We don't want people to make a commitment to Christ because we manipulated their emotions or even because we convinced their minds. If we do that, then their faith is based on us. And that's not a very stable foundation. Instead, we want people to make a commitment to Christ. Because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because their eyes have been opened to the reality of who Jesus is and what he has done on the cross. And then their faith is based on Jesus. And Jesus is a rock solid foundation. And if we share the gospel in this way, and if people come to faith in this way, then It doesn't matter what happens in their lives. It doesn't matter what happens to us. Because their faith is not in us. It's not in our words, our wisdom, our charismatic personality. But rather it's in Christ. And so they will be able to say, I know whom I have believed. And I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Folks, let's not miss God's calling on our lives. Let's not be a church that sits around and just talks about reaching out to this lost world. Instead, let's be a church that is committed to our mission. To go out into the world and make disciples. That is faithful to our message. The message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. That will not follow the world, but instead will follow God in our method. Because our motive is that we want people to put their faith in Christ. And in Christ alone. Let's pray. Father God, we really thank you 
We thank you for this amazing, wonderful, glorious gospel that you have brought us into. Lord, thank you for revealing the truth of the gospel to us, Lord. Thank you for the people who brought the gospel to us, who shared it sensitively and patiently and lovingly to us so that we could come to that point of putting our faith in the Lord Jesus, our Saviour, the one who died for us and rose again to release us from our sin and bring us into this wonderful relationship with you. And now, Lord, I pray that you would help us once again to hear your voice calling us into the mission that you've that you've given to us. Help us, Lord, to hear your call on each one of our lives to, to go and make disciples, to see this as our primary calling in our lives, whatever kind of area of life we're in, Lord, whether we're, we're married or single, whether we're, we're, we're a kid or whether we're an adult, whether we're working or whether we're unemployed, whether we're, we're young or whether we're old, whether we are healthy or whether we're struggling with ill health. Help us, Lord, to see that this is what you've called us to. This is the mission that you've given to us. And so, Lord, help us to be committed to to fulfilling this mission, to sharing this message, the message of the gospel, the message of Jesus in all the different situations that we can. Lord, I know that we are restricted these days because of this pandemic, but Lord, we, we know that you have given us opportunities. Whether it's online, whether it's by phone, whether it's meeting our neighbours, whether it's seeing people at the shops, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you'll give us the passion and commitment to share this glorious message. Lord, help us to do it simply and honestly. Help us not to try and manipulate or coerce or or persuade in a, in, in a wrong way, Lord. But Lord, help us just to simply declare your truth and let you work in power to open up blind eyes, eh, to, to soften hard hearts and draw people to yourself, Lord. We do this because we, we desperately want people to trust in you. We want people to put their faith in you, to find in you the saviour that they, they desperately need. So Lord, I just, we just commit ourselves to you again. Help us to be a church that doesn't just sit around talking about reaching out but that goes out into the world daily to share the gospel, to reach people for you, and to to let you work through us to build your kingdom and for your honour and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.